bits of the week and we've got them for you best bits of the week with morgan number two what's up y'all it's morgan number two in case you're a first-time listener and what i do is take the best seven segments from the week based on your engagement online if you hit us up on the phone about it a lot if you wrote us comments on facebook all the things i take all of it and i decide what our best seven moments from the show this past week are and we count them down from seven to one but along the way I kind of reveal some things that happen behind the scenes. I bring on another show member to talk with me about it. And this week I'm bringing on producer Eddie so we can chat about something that happened with him and his son. But also we'll get some more commentary in there, too. So let's get going. Eddie talked about a situation that happened with his son and an iPad at school that got damaged. Eddie, give us a little brief breakdown. Not too much because Mm -hmm. they're going to hear the segment. Okay, so basically... uh my son had a classmate of his shatter his iPad screen. And I was kind of under the, I guess, understanding that if something like that happens, the parent of whoever did it would pay for it. So (laughs) it was kind of a discussion of like, what do we do? Like no one is offered to pay for this right now. It seems like it was my son's iPad. So now we have to pay for this. And so it was a a big topic in our household. So, during this segment, you kind of talked about what you initially reacted to it, and you kind of had some anger. So do you have <laughs> anger often when it comes to these parenting situations? It seems like the the longer I become a parent, the more angrier I get about <laughs> things. But um, no, I, it, it's almost just kind of like you, you want to do what's right. And in this in this situation, I was really thinking like the right thing is for the parent to take care of this, but no one is doing anything about it. And I even thought maybe the school should be a part of this too, because it happened on school grounds and an iPad isn't cheap. Uh, iPad screen isn't cheap. So I was thinking the school would be like, all right, guys, this happened. We'll sort it out. We'll let the parents know. And then you guys can figure out how to deal with it. Well, and there was some arguments online without giving like the final thing that happened away that your son should pay for half of it because it's his iPad mm-hmm. and he Didn't let somebody it. borrow. Didn't drop it. But but it's his and he let somebody borrow it. Maybe he shouldn't have let somebody borrow it. And that was the argument that maybe to teach him about his things and be careful about who's borrowing it. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, there is the obvious like, oh, why wasn't there a screen on screen protector on there? Like all that <laughs> stuff. Yes. And I did tell him that I said, dude, you got to put your screen protector. But there's something he has against screen protectors. He likes to have the iPad the way it is. And even his phone, he likes it without a case. I'm like, well, that's what happens when it's not in a case. I understand that it's partly his fault. and He needs to be responsible for his own things. But in this case, this was a class project. This was something where the school said, hey, you all need your iPads for this. Use it. And then it happened in that situation. So I'm thinking. Okay, so that's interesting. Was this iPad something you guys had to supply him for school? Yeah. Yeah. So the way the school works is if you're able to supply an iPad, go for it. If not, they have a special fund or whatever where they can get school issued iPads. Okay. But so it is like. Mm, that's that's tricky because Very it isn't tricky. the schools it is y'all's which again like in an ideal situation they 
give them all iPads and they stay at school or whatever. Yeah, and if it's the school's iPad that breaks, then the school takes care of it. Yes, but this is tricky because it's technically his. He gets to take it home. He can play games and stuff on it at home, all the things. Well, the way I thought about it was like, all right, even if this was outside of school and it's two friends playing with a phone, like, all right, here, we're playing uh, whatever. Here, hold my phone. The phone breaks. You and me, right? It's my phone and you break my phone. Wouldn't you feel like, hey, you know what? We're adults. Like, I should probably, I feel bad. Let me pay for that broken screen. Oh, yeah. Like, if something so, happens like that, totally. So when you're a parent and your kid does something, guess who pays for it? The parent does. <laughs> so that's what I was leaning towards. And I wasn't really thinking I was going to press that that whole thing. Like, hey, uh, give me the parent's number and I'll call their parents up and tell them they need to pay for it. I was never thinking that I had to do that. Honestly, when things get a little, like, controversial like that, I make my wife do it. I'm not like the I'm not. Does this mean that your wife is the good cop and you're the bad cop? Is that really what it is? No, I'm the good cop. My wife's the bad cop. Does that make sense? Like she's the bad guy, but she's the nice one. No, she's the one that complains. Like, like remember when we had? I didn't anticipate that action. (laughs) Like, I really thought it was the reverse. Uh, I don't. I don't do that. I don't like confrontation at all. So, (laughs) like that, we had a pizza thing a while back. You know, where they put the pizza on our wrong our neighbor's doorstep instead of ours. So I was upset about that, and so I told my wife, like, call Pizza Hut and tell them what they did. And she's the one that like, and and it's weird because she's so shy and she's very sweet, and there's nothing mean about her at all. But when it comes to like customer service she's like yeah all right give me the phone i'll call see totally surprises me because every time i have met your wife she is so sweet like nothing about her is confrontational but like you do have Uh anger sometimes so i'm just so like Uh, blown away at this different response i'm i'm a uh implosive person i don't know if that's the right you let it explode on yourself like like inward i I get upset In here, (laughs) inside of me. It's an outward expression. I don't really, like, take it out on people. Okay. And so I beat myself up. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. But that's kind of, like, where I get angry about it, and then I start talking to my wife about it, and then she says, fine, I'll handle it. So is your wife, or is it you that's more, like, you obviously both come up with the disciplines for your your children, but who actually, like, enforces that and makes sure it happens? So that's tricky. When it comes to our kids, we have learned that they react more to my discipline than hers it's a weird thing they're all boys and they're all they they all gang up on her and they all like whenever she kind of tries to discipline they laugh they're like okay mom's trying to be serious they're playing to her like motherly side that like hey we're your kids you're not gonna do that like you're gonna be mad at me for two seconds and then you're gonna hug me and kiss on my forehead and then you know put me to bed and so they really don't take her serious. But when dad gets mad and dad raises his voice and dad says, do this, they stop in their tracks and do it. So maybe when, that's just a dad thing. I mean, I like my dad was like the disciplinary. So like maybe it's just like more of a your guys's temperament. I think so. I think. And, and, and too, like I want to teach my my boys too to respect like women and and not really like it's, it's tricky because I want them to be like, hey, your mom says to do this. You do it. And it, I, that's a constant in my house. I'm always saying that, but it just doesn't work. Like, they're always like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, she said, like, she's, I heard her tell you four times and you haven't even budged. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe as they get older, they'll start to understand and respect that. Yeah. Hopefully. And kind of be like a mama's boy. <laughs> hopefully. You know? But four of them, they just gang up. They're oh, so mean. Poor boys. Poor wife. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, there was another thing, too, that was said on Facebook that we didn't really address on the show. And, again, not giving too much away. But we didn't give enough credit to your son's friend mm-hmm. who told his parents. Mm-hmm. 
And like, that's a big deal. It is a big because deal. Because most kids would be like, I, I ain't getting in trouble. I don't want to tell my parents that. Like, I'm not going to be the one to reveal this information. Hopefully it'll just blow away. So here's kind of an insight of like whenever I talk about stories with my kids, especially my teenager, he's very, I guess the last couple of years, he, his friends at school listen to the show sometimes oh. and his, and their parents listen to the show sometimes. So sometimes it gets back to him that they, that I was talking about him. So I always have to be very careful, like to be like, all right, I want to talk about your iPad situation, but I don't want to embarrass you. So, and, and, and I don't, and instead of like altering the story when this comes up, I always just pick and choose what I'm going to talk about. You omit some things to avoid any of that, there which are, makes sense. There are so many stories that I could talk about, but I'm like, you know what? This is his life, and I don't want to There's some boundaries point. there that you have to For respect. For sure. But in this case, I thought it was so important to tell this story because of how, one, his classmate reacted and told his parents what he did, and two, how their how the parents reacted. Yes. All of it, it was, like, so All of so it was cool. very shocking and cool, and I thought, like, that to me was like, all right, this is something that's not going to be embarrassing to him, and it's going to be a good ending to a good story. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. See, I loved it. This, like, this was a good story, like, front to end, like, beginning to end, front, front yeah, to back, yeah. whatever. <laughs> front you know back. what I meant. Um, listen up to this, because it's really good if you're a kid, if you're a parent. It's just, you're probably going to face it at some point, so here we go. Number seven. Hey, Eddie, tell Amy what happened at your kid's school. Okay, so my son was doing a group project in class, and in order for this project to go down, somebody had to donate their iPad to use for the project. So my son got partnered up with this other kid, and he was using his iPad, my my son's iPad. And this other kid's using it, and he's doing scanning something with it or whatever, drops it. Boom! Screen shatters completely. Oh, no. So he comes home, and he's like, Mom, Dad, like, I don't, you know, someone else did it. It wasn't me. I don't know what to do. And I'm kind of like, well, what did the kid say? Nothing. He didn't say anything. Oh, I kind of got a little heated up saying, I think we need to call the parents of this kid and tell them they need to replace his iPad or at least the screen, something. So, did you call the parents? Oh, I don't know. Hold on. I was about to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Amy, what would you do here? I don't know. My brain automatically goes to whether, I don't know the kids, other kids' situation, but I automatically wonder, oh, I don't want to call this out because what if for whatever reason they maybe can't afford to replace the iPad? Like, it would just make me uncomfortable to ask for that. And... It would if my if it was my daughter or son, I'd be like, they made the choice to give the iPad to that person. So this also teaches responsibility <laughs> for, for my kids to hold on to their stuff. And that if you let someone else use it, then you know, if something goes wrong, I I, I don't think I would call it the par- the other parents. I, I just would figure it out on my own and and you know I feel <laughs> awkward right now knowing that Eddie called them. <laughs> oh, you already know he called? No, I, I haven't. No, know. I feel as though that's what Eddie did. Eddie, yeah. what did you do? Well, hold on. I oh. don't, let me say what I would do. I don't know oh, what Eddie did. Sorry, sorry. Go. I thought you did. Go ahead. You know, I am a bit like Amy where I would feel nervous asking somebody because I couldn't afford that stuff as a kid. But I think maybe instead of calling and having that conversation on the phone, I would just send an email that way it's not putting them on the spot, no. e- explaining the situation to see if they wanted to volunteer to help pay for what they could of the iPad. Because you're not calling them on the phone and being like, your kid did this, which they may get defensive. They may get defensive of their kid. They may get defensive because they don't have any money. I don't know. But I think I would approach it as, hey, this happened. Maybe you heard about it. 
uh, they were playing with the iPad, and you know, your son Jethro dropped the iPad, and it oh, broke. That's his name. Weird. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> So I would reach out, but I wouldn't reach out directly. Eddie, what did you do? Bones, you're going down the right track, I, get, I think. Like, So we were talking about it, and my wife was like, absolutely not. Let's not even get the parents involved. This is going to be awkward. And I said, no, we got to make this right. Like something, somebody has to pay for this, and I don't think we need to pay for it. So as we're talking about it, I'm not kidding, an email comes through, and it's the kid's dad. And he emails us and says, my son came home today, told us exactly what happened, we would like to pay for this iPad. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I was like, this is amazing. We don't have to do anything. Oh, okay. Well, that worked out just great. So now you know. I mean, because the only thing that's uncomfortable is not knowing their fam- their family situation. And it's not like it's like a $1 or $5 thing. I mean, the iPad's super expensive. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, what were you going to do, though, Eddie? I mean, I was talking a big game. I think in those situations, my wife usually wins. And says, you know, like, we probably don't want to call. Them. I think she was actually leaning towards calling the school and saying, hey, what should we do in this situation and get their take on it? Because it was a school project. But honestly, I don't think we were going to move fast enough to do anything. And knowing me, I'd probably chicken out. Yeah, iPads are expensive, too. Yeah. That's the cra- That's what stinks. They don't have school iPads. Amy, does your kids school have iPads? Well, they provide them with a tablet, like a computer thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what they use. And it's it's given out by the school so Eddie what are your kids rules on the iPad what can he be on I mean he has my 13 year old has free range for the most part he has these like I I think websites have ratings on them so we set him up to where there's certain websites he can't access and certain apps he can't get unless we accept it like an accept like some kind of security question or whatever and usually it goes to my phone and I just click one button and he can get it if not I decline it is there a workaround on that where he can actually <laughs> have you tried to reverse engineer and try to download things? That's a great idea. No, I have not. Because you know him and his buddies have all tried these little tricks and they know how to get by, but no, I haven't tried to play the 13-year-old on his iPad, see if I can crack some codes. Well, the best thing to do if you want to try to beat something that someone else is beating is try to beat yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, with this show, I want to hire people to to create, and maybe I talked about this off the air. But I went and paid people in radio to try to beat me. Like, I'm going to give you money. I want you to listen to the show for a month, and I want you to develop a plan to beat me. And I hired them to give me that report so I could see how they would beat us so I could close up all the gaps. You did this? I didn't talk about this on the no. uh-uh. uh-uh. show. Know. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't I, know. I often scout against myself because there's shows popping up all over that are trying to take me and us down. And so I went and hired two different people and paid them top dollar, and said, take a month. I want you to listen to the podcast. I want you to listen in live. I want you listening on different channels. And if you had free reign to just develop a show, what would you do? What would you talk about? What, where are we lacking? And I had them write up this humongous report. And then I take it, and then I go through it, and I go, okay, they have a point here. Let's do this. Let's not do this. And so I hire people to try to beat me, and then I take that information. So what, are we, what, 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 what were you told? <laughs> Ali's like, going to reveal that. Well, I mean, I don't I know. Why would I reveal that right here? I just paid top dollar messed up. Well, I don't know. I'm wondering what. what, what That's I top mean, secret information. What did they say? Like, did they give you, like, even, like, oh, you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that? Or they're you actually, you're just saying that they said this is what we would do to yes. counter you. This is what you do well. This is what you can do better at. But if we were going to launch a show against you, this is everything we would do to try to beat you. 
And I go, and uh, thank you for that information. I take that, and I try to close up a lot of those holes. Was it helpful, or did you just see the information, and it was like, nah, actually, no one can really beat you. You're just that um, good. No, it's never that. Never, ever, ever that. Um, it was ext- One of them was extremely helpful. So much so that it was so good, I went to the head of the company. I was like, uh, we need to hire her. Oh. Not not on this show, but as someone who does this for other shows. That's cool. Yeah. So. Well, there, there you go. part? Like Amy's awesome? Or? <laughs> okay, everybody's dying to know. <laughs> the only person I gave that report to was Scuba Steve. It's good, right, Scuba Steve? It was pretty cool. It was very thorough, and I and I like took parts of it that I thought were great. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a cool idea. I thought that was very inventive for you to do that. Yeah. You you want to not get beat? Try to beat yourself and then close up all those ways someone else can beat you. There, there, the end. Super smart. I'm giving up too much of my strategy here. Uh, Eddie, congrats on the iPad, Thanks. buddy. And I'll try that with my kid too. Beat yeah, him. No, try, beat yeah, try, you, no, you're trying to beat you. Right, right, beat me through his stuff. You've set up a plan to keep your kid from 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 downloading Eddie. things he shouldn't, so you go try to beat you now. <laughs> no, now we just, Eddie, we just need to hire people to tell us how they would be better parents than us. <laughs> it's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. This week, we were talking about Bobby's wedding coming up to Caitlin. It is fast approaching, and they are getting all of their plans in order. And one thing that came up during the show this week, Bobby has chosen his signature drink at the wedding, and it's going to be one of his favorite mocktails, which is a Shirley Temple. But he has to name it. And if you've been married and you've had signature drinks at your wedding, you name them. Like, it's the bride's drink and the groom's drink. And they typically have signature names. So Bobby doesn't know what to name his Shirley Temple, like the virgin version of it, or the dirty Shirley, which is like the alcohol version of it. So, Eddie, do you have any names that like you think would be good for this drink? Nah, nah, not really. I mean, I, I, I the one I brought on air is not, not a good one, but um, <laughs> I don't really have any good names for it. I've been seeing the tweets, though, that people have been tweeting in about it. I, yeah, let's read some of those. Pretty funny. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. my favorite one definitely is Bob Kate, almost like playoff Bob of Bobcat. Kate. And it's like Bobby Caitlin. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but then, but then you don't. But then it's not his drink, and right. she's probably gonna have a drink. I would assume since he has one. Correct. So, so there's also a uh, Hog Shrine. Oh, wild, that's interesting. Wild but that's like Hog moonshine. Shrine. Right. I, I would know. think that's like a moonshine drink. Well, there's a lot of like Arkansas-based, like Razorbacks kind of thing. Fair. Uh, but the, also too, this guy wrote Bare Bones, and that's like the non-alcoholic Bare Bones drink. Okay. Kind of funny. Yeah. What would be the, the, the dirty version of that? Like the alcoholic version? Like big bone. <laughs> Bare bone and big bone? I don't <laughs> it's know. It's getting weird. I don't know. But I don't, that's, that's pretty much it. I but feel like there's something. Any? No, but I feel like there's something with the, Shir- the Shirley Temple being red and red is Bobby's favorite color. I feel like there's Ooh. something with that and I just can't. The red bone. The red bone. Again, this is a, I think we need to take bone out of it. Yeah, it gets dirty, especially if you have, like, drunk people going, I need the, the boner. Hey, will you bone me up yeah, on that? No. Yeah, that's that's going to get weird <laughs> real fast. Um, maybe, like, the, I don't know. It's something red. I feel the red, like, in my soul. You know when you just feel it? Yeah. I don't know what that name is, though, but it's there. Is it red, something red? Something about the red coloring. Have you ever had a Shirley Temple? Oh, yeah, I drink dirty Shirley's at the bar all the time. See, that's weird, too. Why? This whole thing is weird. Like, Shirley Temple is a 10-year-old, 8-year-old Yeah, but it's so good. Actress, and then the di- the dirty Shirley is the alcoholic version of it. <laughs> it's very weird to me. You know how I'm like, yeah, I'll take a dirty Shirley. My, that was my first <laughs> drink I ever ordered when I turned 21, and I was so proud to say that. And I was like, I need a dirty Shirley. And they're like... Oh, this girl just turned 21. Oh, clearly. for sure. I know. So, okay, so funny story about that. Like when my sister, she had 
she got it's the first time she got into a bar underage. And she came with that. me. She came with me and my wife. My wife and I were dating at the time. And she got in with us. We somehow got her in. And she goes to the bar and I'm like, hey, you're in. Let it rip. So she's like, uh, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> so the bartender goes, hey, what can I get you? And she says, seven, seven. And I look at her, I'm like, a what? I don't what know. Doesn't that? she's like? Doesn't mom drink that? I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I guess, I guess so. It's like Seagram Seven with Seven Up or something. Talk Whiskey and Seven is that? Yes, it's like the old lady drink or whatever. My mom would drink <laughs> it ever since we were kids. And I'm like, this is your first time at a bar, and your order is a Seven. So she's like, I, I panicked. I didn't know what to get. I it's panicked. It's so true though, and you don't want to get in trouble. I yeah. remember that when I was at bars underage, I like would look up things online to make sure that when I got there, nobody knew. That I wasn't supposed to be there. So were you very, like, just relaxed at the bar, a little elbow on the bar? Oh, yeah, but I can't tell you how many times I asked for, like, a sex on the beach or whiskey <laughs> sour. Like, the the, 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 so, the drinks that, like, people who don't drink a lot of alcohol yes. drink, right? Like, they're just the very fruity, like, taste good drinks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know how I never got kicked out, but <laughs> I I managed my way through it. It sounds like your sister figured it out, yeah, too. 7-7. Seven, seven. I'm like, get out of here. But 7-7 seven, seven is like an old person <laughs> drink. <laughs> Salty dog, please. What? <laughs> you never know what's going to happen, though. Okay, so with Bobby's wedding coming up, you have mentioned that you're not going to drink for some moments of the <laughs> wedding so you can have, like, your best man speech. Speaking yeah. of drinking, yeah. are you still sticking to that? I think so. I mean, I'll probably have a few beers before. I mean, it's. I just feel I've been getting to this point in my life where when you, there is something to be celebrated, you celebrate hard. Like, I don't think we celebrate as people uh, enough as we should. Like, birthdays yeah. to me, I feel like since I turned 30, probably, I, I look at birthdays and I say, uh, it's just another year. It's not like, okay, it's a day that I was born. It's just a, I'm one year older, no big deal. But that should be celebrated, and we should celebrate hard in these things. And Bobby getting married, to me, is a celebration moment where I'm going to go hard. So basically, after your big speech, you're you're going to be going hard. downhill. Yes. <laughs> so I could probably get you to take shots at the wedding? Is yes. That I will definitely take shots. And then you're telling me, like, if th these artists have, like, they're on stage and they're singing these songs and they're gonna have karaoke night with live band like oh, this is gonna yeah. be the greatest night ever oh yeah. yeah i'm so ready for it it's gonna be a great <laughs> wedding but i am excited to see you get drunk because i think <laughs> i've only seen you like buzzed a few times in our whole time of yeah, working together yeah. so this should be very i don't know if i'm any fun when i'm really drunk anymore <laughs> we'll you see. pass out it, on the it's, table it's been a while so i don't know <laughs> i'm so ready but anyways y'all listen to this this is where we talk about bobby's signature drink how he chose it why he chose it all the things. Number six. Let's go! I think I'm stressing Caitlin out with the wedding coming up because I just forget to invite people. We This morning, I woke up and she goes, hey, did you invite? And she lists off three people. And I was like, yeah, of course I did. She looked back at the list. She goes, nope, they're not on here. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I did. I would for sure invite them. And I didn't invite them. Like three people I for sure would have invited. And I wouldn't even thought about until Caitlin's like, hey, did you invite these people? So I think I'm stressing her out a little bit. There's also a part of the wedding where they want us to create our own uh, signature cocktail, and I don't drink. So what do you think I created, Amy? Uh, Shirley Temple type thing. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, I didn't know what to name it. So if you guys have a name. Bobby Temple? Well, that's what I said. That was the easy one, but I didn't think people would know what that was. Oh, I get it, but I don't know. What is in a Shirley Temple? Well, it's, it's basically, you know, cherry juice or whatever that... And grenadine. The version of a drink. Grenadine. grenadine. Oh, grenadine. And yeah. like 7-Up, maybe? So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, and it's pretty good. 
I like it when I go to a bar because it looks like I'm drinking. But you can also do a dirty Shirley with alcohol in it. That sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. So here's what I, don't I like the sound of that. I don't well, want to order one. There'll be two versions of those. Okay. There'll be the, the one that I have, the, the Shirley Temple, and those, there's the dirty Shirley. If you want to add, apparently, you add vodka to it. Or the dirty Bobby. <laughs> I don't know. Here, okay, here's the challenge I'm going to give our listeners. Call our voicemail line. What should I name this Shirley Temple kind of drink? The clean one and the dirty one. Yeah. But they need to kind of be named semi the same thing. Right. 877-77-BOBBY. Maybe if you come up with a name, we'll give you a dollar or something. I don't know. Bobby Bone, come on. Hey, we got some voicemails about my signature drink at the wedding. You know, because they said, hey, you need to create a drink. Caitlin needs to create a drink. And then people can order them. And I was like, I don't, I don't drink. And I like Shirley Temple's. But I couldn't find a way. The Bobby Temple didn't make sense. <laughs> but a lot of people called and, and left ideas. We have five of them here. What to name my signature cocktail. Here we go. Number one. Hey, Bobby. Hey, guys. Um, I'm thinking the non-alcoholic could be called Simply Ella. And the alcoholic one can be Lay Down Stanley. Okay. Named after my dogs. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I was kind of looking for that play into Shirley Temple somehow. You know? Oh, okay. All right. Here's uh, Leanne from New York. Hey, Bobby. Morning, studio. I just had one name. It's the Bobby Beat Drop. Just thought that was a great name. Seems how it kind of incorporated some music theme to it. The Beat Drop. Okay, there you go. It sounds like a beet drink, though, when I hear that. Oh, like, like the vegetables? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the uh, next one. I'm confused. Why aren't we just cashing in on that Bobby water? You know, whiskey and water, Bobby water. Throw some nerds in it. Get crazy with it. Congratulations. Best wishes. Love the show. See y'all soon. Thank you. I would love to capitalize on it, but Sonic won't pay me. I would be Sonic's greatest endorser. I do this commercials where I sit there and the, to go like, hey, Mike D, how about this seatbelt? Doesn't go with my chili dog, does it? You know those commercials? <laughs> you guys in the car? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, for some reason, they don't want to hire me. Uh, here's another one. I was thinking maybe to name your drink the Dirty Razorback or just the Razorback. What do you think? I like the Razorbacks. Okay. And then here, let's do Chris from Tucson, Arizona. Alcoholic one should be boned and people should ask to get boned. And then the non-alcoholic one should be unbelievable. And then if you order it, the bartender will be like, oh, you want an unbelievable. <laughs> Thought it was funny. <laughs> he ate that. Oh! Yeah. Hey, I like the bone one, though. That's pretty good. I'm not going to have people at the wedding go, I'd like to get boned. Okay. One bone, please. <laughs> oh, then you won't like my idea, then. Why? What was yours? Uh, like I was going to do big bobbies and little bobbies. Like play on the, you know. No, I don't. That doesn't even make sense. That's a terrible. I can't, Eddie. I can't constantly say you're the funniest person on the show. Whenever you come up with just rotten, you know how they misspell your name sometimes. They put two O's. Okay. 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 The big booby and Bobby. Right, right, booby. right. See yeah, what I'm saying? The only one that I thought that was pretty cool was someone named S Sizzlingster 432. She said, "How about calling it a Suey Temple? Like Pig Suey? Charlie oh, Temple? I got it. A That's Suey good. Temple." That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, Razorback, Suey. Yeah, I'm still working on it. I appreciate everybody sending in their thoughts and leaving voicemails. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. Coming up next, Lunchbox. He decided to rap and sing his way through some drive-thrus. And let me tell you, 
I don't think I've laughed so hard in a long time. This segment just made me crack up imagining Lunchbox rapping and singing through drive-thrus. And not only that, the employees that he was doing this to, like, totally took it in stride. They were so great. This is the laugh you need on this wonderful weekend. Number five. Morning, studio. Morning. Morning. Remember last week we had... A TikTok of Craig Morgan singing his Starbucks order. Here's a clip. I'd like a venti Americana with extra heavy whipping cream. And baby, could you please, baby, could you please steam it for me? (laughs) Also, she has to be like, what's happening here? Uh, So Lunchbox did this. Mm, Great. He went out. (laughs) The guy who can't sing. We'll see. You be the judge. <laughs> you went to sing where, Lunchbox? I went to White Castle. All right, here we go. Lunchbox singing his order. All right, welcome to White Castle. Go ahead, your order. Oh, yeah. I need, I need a small shrimp nibbler. Okay. And don't, and don't you, and don't you forget, I need that small, I mean, so small, what's so small fry? I can't even sing. I can't even beat that. What are you drinking? Uh, you having something to drink today? No, drink for me. Just a shrimp nibblers and a small fry. <laughs> okay, that's going to be 621, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you done made everybody smile in here. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, I don't wow. even know what you ordered. A shrimp nibbler? Yeah, a small what shrimp. What is that? I don't know. I just saw it on the menu. I thought it sounded funny to sing. <laughs> shrimp nibbler. Okay, so that was it. And a small fry. <laughs> so how do we like that? It's funny. Okay. He then decided to elevate it, and he went to Starbucks to wrap his order. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm going to like this. If you think he can't sing, <laughs> let's see what you think about his rapping. Here you go. Oh, you know me. I want that hot chocolate, venti. But you can keep the whip for the next broski. Oh, my God. This guy's got bars. <laughs> That's what I do. I drop rhymes all oh the time. God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you want to keep the whipped cream for the next broski? That's correct. All right. Anything else? That's it. 399, boss. I'm out. <laughs> Are those your kids crying? Yeah, that's one of my kids. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, there you that go. guy is like, oh my god. He's like, you got bars. <laughs> it's the best bits of the week show. with Morgan number two. A little bit of a controversial segment on our show this week. Amy's daughter, she's 13 years old, told Amy that she wants a locked diary. And Amy was really cool about it. She says, yeah, I totally get it. She should have one. Her daughter wants it for her locked passwords. Well, people online were just a little bit debating over all the things. Because when it comes to parents and kids, people love trolling about parent (laughs) shaming. I mean, if there's one topic they love to comment on, it is parenting. Um, so we had all the kinds of people because Amy was clearly had some some mixed emotions about this whole situation, as as she should. It's her daughter. Daughter's growing up. Right. So, Eddie, tell me your thoughts on this. So what's tricky with topics like this on the radio show is that we don't have a lot of time to think about it. So yeah, you get like one minute to break it down. Very reactive. Like, so when this came up, the first thing I thought of is just like that is crazy because. I truly believe that if you have an open conversation and a relationship where you can talk about whatever with your kids and they're cool with sharing things with you, 
Uh, there is no such thing as locked doors. I mean, sure, yeah, lock the door if you're naked. Like, sure, whatever. But, <laughs> I was but, like, all right, Eddie, we, knew, we but, may need to have a conversation. But realistically, there's no need to hide anything from anyone. Yeah. You know, if you're doing something that you need to hide from your parents, it's not a good thing. And so that's how I reacted to the, the locked diary. Mm. Now, there is the therapy side of it or, or psychologists, psychiatrists that say, you know, no, it's very healthy to have a, a locked diary and have your thoughts to yourself. I mean, sure, but you could do that with a diary that's unlocked and trust and understand that your parents aren't going to look to the diary. Now, I have boys so far they have showed no interest in having any kind of diary or journal. Uh, so I haven't dealt with this, but I just feel like in my house, I don't think that anyone will want to have that kind of privacy because my son, who's 13 years old, I mean, the first time when I pick him up from school, the first thing he's like, we talk about like, hey, how did school go? Oh, man, this happened and this happened and so and so did this. And, and to me, I'm like, that's great because that didn't happen when I was a kid. Like they would pick me up from school. You'd be like, it's great. It's yeah, fine. That was my answer <laughs> all the time because I felt like I was just going to get in trouble if I told him like, oh, yeah, so I got into a fight like with so-and-so. And well, yeah, if you got into a fight, you would probably get in trouble. In middle school, fights were kind of like a common thing. Oh, the thing? It, it was just weird. punching people's noses? It, my, my middle school, like, it was weird. It was almost a rite of passage where, like, you're in sixth grade, it's time to get into a fight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but. Wait, I, even the, even the girls got into fights or oh, was this just a guy oh, thing? Oh, girls got into fights. Cat fights? Cat fights. It's like fights. mean girls? Oh yes. my gosh. Hair being pulled and after the fight's broken up, somebody has a ball of hair in their, in their hand. Oh yes. my gosh. Serious. I mean, South Texas got real down there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you had a lot of experiences and I love it. Yeah. So, so there was that kind of feeling like, yeah. oh, I don't want to tell them I got into a fight. So I wouldn't tell them. I wouldn't tell them certain things or whatever. And. I think that's led to uh, us not having a true close relationship where I can just tell them whatever. And that's just something of when I became a parent, I'm like, I want to change that when I become a dad. So when he tells you things, do you kind of like sit with it before you ever respond to anything to make sure to. you don't react? I have to. So as weird as some of the stuff is, like it's like I'll even say like when the becoming a teenager <laughs> stuff oh, oh, happens. Oh, yes. The stuff that he comes to me with, I'm just like, what did you just say? <laughs> but I, and then afterwards, I'm like, hey, man, that's pretty cool that he can think like, hey, let me ask dad about this because I don't know what's happening. Oh, yeah. It's a great thing, especially as he gets older and some really serious life stuff starts happening. Yeah. He will come to you. Totally. And that's the goal as far as me and how I parent. That's a good thing. OK, so I was thinking about this. What if the reason, like, a locked diary thing is such a big deal is because it's siblings? You're not as much worried about your parents getting into it as you are your siblings because growing up with three older sisters, I didn't, like, if I did something and they happened to see it in a diary that I had, they'd make fun of me for days about it. Did they do that? Yes. So I'm thinking <laughs> of that I triggered situation, clearly. Yeah, I saw it in your eyes. <laughs> I would have diaries, and, like, if my sister ever got a hold of it, like, it'd be a whole thing. Uh-huh. So maybe it's more about... With the sibling households that the locked diary is more of a situation. And then I'm down with that. But like the parents have a key and you know, whatever. I I'm totally down with that. But like, yeah, you are right in that we did have a lot of therapists commenting and we're like, it's really healthy to do this and it's important for them, but it's also important for them to be able to trust you that you're not going to look. But yes. other parents were sharing accounts of like their kids having been in some really bad situations and they saved them from them based on the fact they were writing and there was trust and they could go when they felt 
it was a right time to look in the diary. Yeah. So, like, cool. So many different firsthand parent accounts on this outside when you get through all the trolling. Yes. And, and then I immediately thought, too, like, there, there have just been stories of, you know, when there are um, kids like that that have, um, the, you know, the, there's active shootings or whatever. And they, they go back to the house. And these are like teenagers that live in their parents' house. And they had guns like in their rooms and ammunition in their room and their parents never knew about it. To me, that's like very shocking to me that that's how detached you are from your children that you wouldn't even know if they bought something like that or they were planning on doing something like that. So I don't know. There's definitely a conversation to be had about the need to write something down, the need to write something down in privacy and the need to like communicate with your parents yeah you know there's a lot of steps to it for sure but this was it it was a funny conversation because of how drastically we all Mm -hmm. reacted to it well and you could tell when amy was talking about her her emotions were just very mixed like it was like yes healthy but also like what if something happens do i have a key do i am i allowed to like so many questions not even from the kid but as a parent yeah and that's kind of crazy but too like it's hard to you're you're trying to be protective you're trying to be understanding you're trying to do all these things like it's such a real thing that as you get older, like me being 27, I look at my parents, I'm like, I get it. I respect so much of what you did. I didn't get it then. And I was mad at you or who knows what else I probably yeah. did in that moment. But like, I look back now and like all the things that they had to think about with me and being protective over me. I'm like, man, I really put you guys through it. I'm so sorry. I think there's a lot of acting involved in being a parent too. Like acting like you wouldn't freak out if you found something in their diary. And then in front of him being like, oh, cool. I'm glad you wrote that down. And then in close, and like close the doors, you're like, like <laughs> what? Like, what is he thinking? This is crazy. So there's definitely a lot of acting involved, too, yeah. because you don't want to show them how you would naturally react over something. Because for kids, I think it's so important how your how, how your parents are going to react to something. Yeah, it's so apparent. It's so important. Like, are they going to say, oh, they're going to kill me when they find out about this? Or, you know what? Dad will understand. It's going to be hard at the beginning, but mom and dad will understand if I explain it to them. So it's tricky. No, and that's that's a very real thing. It's funny. We were my girlfriends and I were just talking about this. I always feel the need still as an adult to like have my parents feel proud of me and like proud in my decisions as a human being. Right. Even though I'm like 10 years past (laughs) them wanting anything to like actually do that for but so I still like if something happens say I get in like a car accident or something and I'm so afraid to call my mom because I'm like I'm not I don't want to get yelled <laughs> not, that, not that I can do anything about it not that she can do anything yeah. about it but I'm like I don't want to call her I'll literally call my sister first and I'm like I don't want to call her <laughs> like I'm <laughs> 27 years old no she'll be like hey like <laughs> really like you had to do this again but like she's gonna be there and like that's all of those emotions right and I was we're both adults now. She can go through all of those emotions with me. But it's just so funny that e- even still in an older age, you're like, I just don't want to disappoint them. And they just aren't going to be. Right. For the most part. Right. <laughs> Maybe some bad things. There'll be something they'll be disappointed yes, about. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm 42 years old, and there's certain things I don't tell my parents. And they get so mad. Why did you tell us? Because like, I, didn't, I didn't really want to worry you about anything. Yeah. It's crazy. Fine. Just as as the the years change, you talk about your kids, and it's like such a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. I'm sure for you as a parent. Yeah, my brother has a tattoo that my parents still don't know about. <laughs> well, yeah, right now. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Hey, let's rewind that a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, here's here's a segment about Amy and her 13 year old daughter wanting a locked diary. Number four. Let's go. Man, having a 13 year old daughter, that's just like a planet I've never been on. 
Yeah, and she's almost 14. Really? Yeah, in April. So what's going on? Well, she wants to get a locked diary. So she had me, well, I've ordered it. We just don't have it yet. But she's like, I need a diary that locks. I'm putting all my passwords in there so nobody can know. Because she forgot, I guess, one of her email passwords. And she's like, oh, I can't believe I can't remember it. So she wants to write them down and lock them away in her drawer. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. But she may want to start journaling other things that she starts to lock away. And I I think that's cool. I think that writing down your thoughts is really healthy. And I hope maybe she does use that. But then I thought, oh, well, it's going to be locked. What if one day there's something going on with her? And I maybe need to read her diary. And then I was like, no, you can't read her diary. It's her diary. But she's going to have it locked anyway. But then it just had me, I had this whole conversation in my head about whether or not as a parent, what circumstance makes it okay to go into the diary? Obviously not just for fun on a Friday night, but like if something's seriously going on with her, I may need to be looking out for her. So I didn't know as a parent how I'm supposed to handle that. If this she, fake scenario in my head that has never even happened yet. If she gave you a key, is like, here, you can also have a key. Would you go snoop in it? No. Uh, no. <laughs> she thought about it. No, well, I mean, if she's saying I could and I really no, felt like. she's saying if, if here's a key in case for emergency. Okay. Then if it's an emergency, yes. Again, I'm not going to. I want to show her. Like, we're big on respect in our house and. Right now, we're even we're working on a lot of different core values as a family, and we want to live by example to the kids. So, like, if she were to find out that I was snooping in her stuff with no emergency reason, then that wouldn't be building trust and respect with her. I agree. I, for a 13, 14-year-old to have a diary and write down all their thoughts, great. I think the only time you should get into it is if you think she's in danger, and yes. you have to cut that thing open, and then you have to have the conversation, I just got into your diary. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, it's not like an Instagram account where people can interact with her. They, people can't reach out to her in her diary. That's, that's the difference in a Facebook account, an Instagram account, a TikTok account, where maybe you don't want your 13-year-old to have one of those because they, they are accessible to creeps. And that does happen. And as a parent or parents, we can't be naive to that. But, but creeps, yes, creeps and pervs can't get in into a, di- a locked diary. Right. Yeah. And again, I, I encourage her writing down her thoughts. I think that that's super healthy for anybody, kids or adults. And if she, you should tell her, if, you're ever, if I ever feel like you're in danger, I'm going to cut this open with a pair of scissors. And you're going to know I did it, so I'm never going to do it without you knowing. Okay. That's what I would say. Eddie, you have a 13-year-old son? Yeah, there are no secrets in my house. So, like, if I had but the there diary. Are, but, but there are. But there aren't because it's my house. But no, but there are. I know, but I, they're not. Because, like, if I find a diary, guess what? I'm going to read it. Like, and I'm Eddie. not, not going to tell them I read Because I have boys, all boys. I'm not going to tell them I read it. But I want to know what's going on in their lives. And I want to be then able to relate. Ask them. So far, I have a 13-year-old son. And so far, he communicates very well with us. If there's a problem, he communicates with us. And that's my goal, to just keep that communication gap open. Because when I grew up, there was no talking to dad about anything. So I'm trying to change that culture in my in my fatherhood or whatever. So, But it also means there are no locks on the doors. There are nothing like that. Like We can share everything with each other. Because guess what? I've been where you've been. Did you ever want to hide things from your dad? Yeah. But my dad never went in my room. Ever. Like, I can't tell you one time where my dad went into my room. And he'll even tell you today. He's like, no, I had no reason to go in his room. That's crazy. You read stories of people that do bad stuff at school, and they're like, you never saw the gun in his room? No, I never went in his room. That is crazy to me. You don't want to give your 13-year-old son a bit of privacy. 
I want him to think he has the privacy, but at the same time, this is our house. Like, I don't have privacy. You guys are all up in my stuff. They're not in your laptop. They can't get in your computer. Sure they are. He was on it the other day. And I'm like, that's fine. And I freaked out for a second. I'm like, that's my work laptop. He could lit- He could easily tweet something in two seconds, but he didn't. Guess what? Because he knows that's dad's laptop and he wouldn't do that to dad. So I'm trying to have an open But what if you said, I need to have my own private space? Right, like Stashira asked me for a locked diary. If your son asked you for a locked diary, yes. you're saying you would not buy him one. I know. I would say, absolutely. Just give me a key. Absolutely. <laughs> give me no, a key. What's the use of locking it then? Right. For other people, Bones. You got to watch out for other people. Not dad. You can trust dad 100%. Other people, though, you can't what trust What if he's them. like, no, dad, I just really would like a diary for myself. No key for you. Then I would say, get the diary, go ahead. And then I would find a way to open it up when he's not going to school. <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> All right, you guys can go over to our Facebook page and <laughs> comment on this. Yeah. Amy, I like your style. Thanks. Uh, Eddie, we got some work to do. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. Coming in at number three, we had Dr. Francis S. Collins in. He is the director of the National Institutes of Health, and he talked all about the COVID vaccines, debunking myths, what you should do after you get it. And honestly, like as someone who's really young and just doesn't have a lot of life experience and conversations about doctors and medical things in my life, this was a really cool interview that Bobby did with him. So listen to it, get informed all the things that's happening right now. Number three on the Bobby Bones Show now. Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Collins, it is such a pleasure to have you on. How are you today? I am just fine. It is great to be on your show with you, Bobby. I'm a big fan. So terrific to have a chance to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. You are the director of the National Institutes of Health. What does that mean? That means I'm the guy who oversees our nation's investments in biomedical research. The National Institutes of Health is the way in which discoveries get made and clinical advances occur. And it's my job to oversee all of this in a $42 billion a year medical research investment, which for the past year has been all about COVID-19, as you might guess. And we have made some real progress with vaccines and other things. Well, this is why I'm glad to have you on, because... This is the guy to ask about vaccines. I've had one shot. Uh, Eddie's got a shot. Lunchbox has got a shot. Now, we're the inside the two-shot system here because we didn't get Johnson & Johnson. So can you explain to me what the difference is in these three vaccines and if we should look for any of them specifically? Well, let me first say they are all wonderfully effective and safe vaccines. So the bottom line is you should take whatever one gets offered to you as soon as it gets offered, because this is how we're going to get past this terrible COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, those are two shots. They're based on something called messenger RNA. The Johnson & Johnson is one shot, and it's based on an adenovirus approach, but they've all been tested in trials of at least 30,000 people each and been shown to have safety records that are really quite impressive with no hint of any real troubles there and a highly effective way of protecting you against getting sick or dying of COVID-19. And that's what we are all waiting for, and now it is here. So... I know people may be a little resistant about, wait a minute, did they rush this? Did they go too fast? 
I'm the guy who's been overseeing all of this at the NIH. Let me assure you, I've never seen anything done better than this in terms of the way in which the trials were conducted and the strength, therefore, the conclusions about these being safe and effective. So roll up your sleeves, America. It's time to get past this pandemic. Dr. Collins is such a big deal, guys. This is a bigger get than Matthew McConaughey. You know, we had Matthew McConaughey on last week. This is a bigger, better interview in my mind. I know we were all like, we got Matthew McConaughey. But this is a better interview. I have so many questions. Okay, here's the next one for you, Dr. Collins. So in the next year, two years or so, we are going to try to have a kid probably, right? And so my fiance, who has one shot, has been like, I'm going to get the shot. But what does this mean if you're trying to have kids? Is this going to affect anything? It is not going to have any effect. So let me do a little myth busting here because there's a lot of myths that are out there being spread around on social media. Uh, This vaccine does not cause infertility, first of all. Uh, By the way, uh, second of all, uh, it also won't give you COVID-19. The vaccine doesn't actually have the virus in it. Just a particular protein that your immune system can recognize is what it's all about. Um, Other myths, no, it does not have chips in it that Bill Gates or Tony Fauci designed. They wouldn't fit through the needle. So, (laughs) yeah, everybody, please look at the CDC if you're looking for information about all of this. It's all up there. CDC.gov is the best place to go if you really want the facts about what we know about the vaccines, their safety, their efficacy. That's the place to look. What about people, because I get hit a lot with, they didn't spend enough time. They rushed this vaccine. I don't want to get it if it's done so quickly. What do you say to that? What do I say to that? Well, I know people are concerned because they heard about this thing called Operation Warp Speed, which maybe wasn't the best choice of a name for the project. But would you rather have Operation Slow Boat? I don't think so. People were dying. We wanted to go as fast as we could to develop these vaccines to save lives. But let me tell you, because I'm right in the middle of this and have been now for the last 15 months. What we did was basically figure out where are the downtimes where nothing happens in between the various phases of vaccine development. And those sometimes take months. And we figured out a way that we could get rid of the downtimes, but not compromise at all on the rest of the rigorous testing to be sure the vaccine was safe and effective. In fact, I think people who look at this would say these are probably vaccines that we know more about than almost any others that have ever been tested. Plus more, the technology that was used, people think maybe it just got invented overnight when COVID-19 burst on the scene back in January 2020. This is all based upon technologies that have been developed over decades that were ready for this moment and got brought forward, and they weren't. So basically, you took all the time where they were just chilling out, doing nothing, waiting for things, but you did everything they would normally do anyway during a vaccine. I'm just trying to understand this, that it wasn't rushed with you just crammed things into a space where it shouldn't have been crammed, you just were extremely efficient at finding the vaccine. That's exactly right. So first of all, one of the new technologies made it possible as soon as the Chinese released the actual letters of the viral genome, the the code that that virus uses to replicate itself, to start making the vaccine right then. 63 days later, which is a world record, we are ready to start the very first phase one trials But then usually there's a big gap between phase one and phase two, not this time. And then there's a big gap between phase two and phase three, not this time. Those were like days instead of months or years. And then the other thing we did, which is really important, Bobby, is we figured that some of these vaccines might actually work. So let's actually start manufacturing doses even before we know if they're going to work. We'll have to throw them out if the vaccine is no good. But if it's good, we'll have them ready to go. And when once the vaccine gets approved by the FDA, 
people can roll up their sleeves and get started. And that's how we got started in December, as opposed to what otherwise would have been months of waiting for a factory to be built. And maybe we would have had the vaccines by the fall of 2021. We didn't want to have that risk of waiting. So all of this was very carefully planned. And it has made it possible in 11 months to do what usually takes five or 10 years. I like that answer, honestly, because I had no idea. I mean, to me, it was just a block of time where it came together quick and I'm going, hey, I'm still trusting people that know more about something than I do. But to actually hear it laid out like that, I'm like, well, that makes sense. And also technology is getting better, too, obviously. So everything should be moving at a bit more rapid rate. Okay, I'm pretty confident with that answer. Like I wouldn't be. We have the the director of the National Institute of Health, Dr. Collins, on with us right now. What if I start questioning him and I'm like, no, I don't know, Dr. Collins. Um, Okay, my fiance and a couple of other friends, they have a little red circle on their shoulder from that shot, like a little rash circle. What do you know what that is? Or is that just, we're just eating the wrong food? <laughs> well, it's certainly the case that as with any injection, like a flu shot or, or, a, or a tetanus shot, you can get a local reaction after the needle where it gets a little sore. It may turn a little red. You may even feel for the next 24 hours or so a headache, maybe even a little chilly, a little feverish. When I had my second dose of Moderna, that's the one I got. I felt pretty uh, puny for 24 hours uh, just because of the effect. But you know what? That's not a side effect. That's an effect. (laughs) That tells you this is working. My immune system has recognized that it has a challenge on its hand. This vaccine is saying, come on, get busy. And it did. And I could tell it did. And now I feel quite well protected because I know my immune system has in its file cabinet the antibodies that it's going to need if I encounter that virus in the future. And that gives me a great sense of confidence that maybe I can actually see my grandchildren in a few more weeks, which would be really nice to be able to do. Yeah, I had some friends. I didn't get sick at all. I felt nothing after my first shot. Um, I have the Pfizer and I had some friends who after the second one for 24, 36 hours, got really sick. Is there a reason that some people are getting sick and some aren't? And should I root to get a little bit sick? Like, is that a good sign? You know, my wife just got her second dose and she got Pfizer and she didn't have a bit of a problem. She was just fine. And I was like, boy, you're lucky. And she was like, well, did it really work? Am I okay? There's a lot of variability, uh, Bobby. It doesn't correlate with whether you got a good antibody response or not. It's something to do with just the way your immune system is wired and, and whether it's like ready to really pull out all the stops when it encounters a challenge or whether it's going to be a little more casual about taking care of business. It, it really, though, everybody who's heard about these side effects, they last maybe 24 hours. Would you rather be kind of sick and chilly for 24 hours or would you rather get COVID-19 and end up in the hospital or the ICU or lose your life? I mean, that's the balance we're trying to help people to understand. And I know there's still people a little on the fence here. I hope those who are listening right now really give it a serious thought about whether this is the time to roll up your sleeve too and join this effort to get this terrible pandemic behind us. Can I stop wearing a mask once I'm fully vaccinated? You know, we don't think it's time yet to stop wearing the mask because it is still possible, although we don't have enough data to be absolutely sure, that you could be vaccinated and you could still carry the virus somewhere in your nose or your respiratory tract, having no symptoms, which means you might then be infecting other people. So until we have more rigorous data about that, which is going to take a few more weeks, Uh, Still recommending that people wear the mask when they're outside around other people. And certainly if you're inside, uh, wear the mask, even though it's a low risk, 
It's the kind of thing that's a love your neighbor thing. It's not about protecting yourself in that situation. It's about whether you might unwittingly be a super spreader and putting people around you at risk. And who would want to do that? So wear the mask, uh, wait a while longer. We're going to get through this. Eventually, we'll be in a situation we can take those off. Now, if you're in a small gathering, uh, maybe a, invite another couple to dinner at your house, and they're immunized and you're immunized, then everybody can take their masks off and have a nice time together. But if you're in mixed company where some people are not immunized, you still ought to wear the mask to protect those people who are still at risk. Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the National Institutes of Health, is on with us. I want to ask a question that isn't extremely about COVID, but I know that you're a devout Christian. You write books, uh, which is extremely interesting in what you write on about the intersection of science and faith. And so the language of God, what is, tell me what this book is about, because it sounds like something I'd be interested in. Well, thanks for asking. Um, I grew up as a agnostic and ultimately an atheist. And then I went to medical school and had to wrestle with questions about life and death and realized I hadn't really thought this through. And to my surprise, as a scientist and somebody who was interested in genetics, for heaven's sakes, I realized that the atheist perspective was the least rational. That was sort of denying uh, the possibility of God when you don't have complete data. And ultimately, over a couple of years, guided by beginning to understand the Bible and reading a lot of other commentators like C.S. Lewis, to my surprise, I became a Christian. Now, people said, your head's going to explode. You can't be a scientist and a Christian, can you? And you know what? Over 40 years, I've never had a problem with this at all. I think science is a wonderful way to understand how nature works, kind of a glimpse of God's mind. But science doesn't answer a lot of questions that I'm interested in, like, why am I here anyway? And is there a God? And does he care about me? And to be able to bring those things together in a harmonious way, which has happened down through human history, except for maybe the last 100 years, uh, seems to me that like something we should try to recapture. And so I wrote this book about how, for me, uh, science is a way of worshiping because you're understanding the creator. And when I study DNA, which is what I did as the leader of the Human Genome Project, I'm studying a language. And for me, God's the creator. That's God's language. So, yeah, that's what the book's about. Um, and a lot of people were surprised that that perspective could be put forward. But there's a whole foundation now called BioLogos, B-I-O-L-O-G-O-S, that has become a meeting place for people who have that same view. And so people interested, go and have a look at that. You'll see a lot of really interesting and respectful conversations going on. Wow, the language of God, that's, that's really interesting. Well, then my final question is, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's between you and God. So you better get on your knees and see if you can get an answer. I'm still looking for the complete answer myself. But once in a while, I get a glimpse here and there. Well, Dr. Collins, we appreciate your time. And I think that, listen, I'm in. I trust science. I got hit with the vaccine. I'm getting my other one uh, first week of April. There are a lot of people in or around my circle that aren't fully in. And I think for them to hear this, this will provide a bit of confidence in the vaccine. Mostly the question of how did this come together so fast? I had no idea. I feel like I'm pretty dialed in. And I had no idea that was really what happened. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for all the hard work you have put in. It has been a busy 2020 for you for sure. And thank you for, you know, coming on the show and explaining, you know, they say explain like I'm five. I feel like we're all five years old <laughs> yes. and you're the teacher. So thank you for doing that with us. <laughs> thank you for the chance. And again, everybody, please uh, look at the evidence and roll up your sleeve when you have uh, the information in front of you. I think that's what you'll want to do. We are going to get through this. Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the National Institutes of Health. Thank you, Dr. Collins. Have a great day. Thank you, too. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. Another really funny segment this week, Lunchbox decided to write letters to celebrities as a seven-year-old kid. Not, not, not just like one seven-year-old kid or one celebrity. He wrote to Carrie Underwood, Oprah, The Rock. I mean, and these letters are hilarious. So another segment you can laugh at, but, but right before that, I'm going to talk to Eddie a little bit because Eddie had briefly talked about someone that he sent a letter, but he told me he has another story. Well, it's funny because it, it was such a big thing when we were kids to write these celebrities letters. And I remember my friend, Mike Morrison, he was like, man, you'll never believe what happened. I wrote Nolan Ryan, who was a pitcher for the Rangers at the time. And he's like, I wrote Nolan Ryan, said I was a big fan, and I got this autographed baseball card from him. And I'm like, what? They actually responded? So then that sparked my memory of just being like, well, uh, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do? Like, uh, pick a pick a baseball player. Uh, Ricky <laughs> Henderson, he's kind of cool. Like, he steals a lot of bases. So I wrote Ricky Henderson, never got anything back. And, and so your friend did, but you didn't? So, yeah, so... I never got anything back with that, so I was kind of lost hope with all that. But on the show, I talked about writing this movie director. This was in college, years, 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 oh, years. Oh, so you're, you weren't even like a child. You no, were no, like no. a grown adult. This was years later, and I remember going thinking back like, okay, well, the only person I've ever written was Ricky Henderson, and he never wrote <laughs> back. And so I'm like, whatever, let's just give this a shot. But it's so funny when we brought this up, I started thinking like it's the dumbest random thing to write letters to someone because – Who's going to read your letter? Why would someone want to read your well, letter? And, and do you ever think, like, is his people going to read it or is he going to read it? Correct. Right? Like, that's always what I go through in my head. But what's crazy now is you don't have to deal with that at all because in this age, like, just DM someone and they and they see it. Oh, the, the whole social media era has been a game changer for celebrities, right? Yeah. Like, not only can they see what all their fans are up to, they can interact with them, they can message them. I mean, they can block them if they need to, like... There's just so many ways of being able to interact with your fans when, like, you guys as kids, it was writing letters. Writing and letters it. and not knowing, even, like, when you sent a text today, you know if someone read it. You had no idea <laughs> if that even got opened or went straight in the trash. Like, you just had to think, like, I remember he played for the Oakland A's, Ricky Henderson did, and I thought, wow, my letter's going to Oakland right now. And, like, ooh, <laughs> Ricky Henderson's just getting off the baby, the baseball field and going to the mail room and getting He's my gonna letter. He's going to read your letter. Yes, but <laughs> who knows? That never pro probably never happened. So he never responded. You never got any responses no. from any celebrity. No, Ricky Henderson and then Cameron Crowe never got re any response. But in your adult life, you have gotten people <laughs> to respond to you, right? Like, especially working for the show. What's yeah. been, like, a few celebrity responses you've gotten that are pretty cool i think like the weird one to me sometimes is is tim mcgraw that he he i'll just tweet something and then he'll respond to it with an answer like nothing like, about him just random likes like johnny lasagna will respond steph from austin will respond these are all b teamers danny will respond and then tim mcgraw <laughs> and i'm like this is crazy like what like what does he respond Ran to random things like if it's just a picture of like a rainbow or whatever and he'll just say like that's beautiful <laughs> I'm like, okay, this that's what I'm talking about. I mean, that about. means like Tim McGraw knows you. That's know, really cool. I know. He does know who I am. I think that's really cool. Did, did you write letters to anyone when you were a kid? One. And that was like because, I mean, when I. You kids the block? No. <laughs> <laughs> was that before? That was before you. No. I mean, no. They, they were my time. They were, when I was a kid, like okay. really, really young, I knew about them. But no, I didn't write them. It would have been Backstreet Boys if I nice. wrote to a boy band. Or NSYNC. Um, but no, the one person I wrote to before social media kind of hit, because MySpace hit when I was probably like 10, right? So 
th- things started phasing out <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, you weren't part of that. Um, no, I, I knew about that. <laughs> I, I used it, but like I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, the one person I did write to, though, was Shania Twain. And she never responded. Ah, uh, but that's crazy because you met her. Yes, like so many full circle moments. I don't even remember. Like remember, I think it was honestly a class lesson because we don't write letters anymore. Like when I was growing up, they're like, you need to learn how to write letters. So we would write these letters to celebrities, and they would send them off. Most of the time, there was no responses because what a it was more about worthless a lesson. class. I know. <laughs> I don't worthless. need that now. I'm like, no. hey, I could just send a DM. Like, I wonder what they're, they're getting taught in class. Yeah. They have to still get taught how to, how to a, write letters. There's a quiz on DMs now. <laughs> Let's see who has the best I feel DM. Like that's true. Um, so, yeah, I never got anything back, but totally full circle moment because the two coolest things that have happened, like in life and on social media, was meeting Shania Twain. And meeting Dolly Parton, both of who have interacted with me on social media. Shania retweeted my like recent TikTok video and I like ranked all her intros and it was so cool. <laughs> and then Dolly Parton retweeted me when I dressed up as her for Halloween. Like two like very honorable things. That's it, amazing. It, it wasn't even just like about them. Like I had done something that was inspired by yeah. them. And then they responded to that. Like I didn't mess it up enough that they wouldn't respond. Do they follow you? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. They're they're too they're too big for that. That's fine. <laughs> like these are just like I when both of these things happened, I straight up sent it to all my friends, all my like text mess text messages groups, like freaking out. The two people in my entire life that I've loved since the beginning of time. How did you when you wrote her first letter how did you find out where you were going to send it to did you send it to the record label or i'm gonna be honest i think our teachers like tricked us and like said that they sent it, it off like, and i don't think it ever got sent off <laughs> just that they still have it yeah because they're like bag. hey we got all the addresses for things you need yeah like how did they do that no they didn't look i respect to teachers i see them now they have a lot of hard work to do <laughs> they're not looking up the addresses of famous people to do yeah, this you're probably right so yeah i don't i don't think it ever got sent off so i don't even think shania had a chance see i hate that <laughs> I hate that. Same thing with my Ricky Henderson thing. Like, no way it got to him. It's right, like, lost in a mail, like, sitting somewhere, you know, like, 40 years later when it returns. Oh, it's got dust all over. It's like, it's a yellow now. Never so been old. opened. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, we'll listen to this. Lunchbox, he wrote some celebrities. You can hear what he wrote them, what he asked for, and his kid voices. It's a little weird. Number two. Let's go. On last week's show, we talked about writing letters to celebrities. I wrote to Hulk Hogan, Amy wrote to Patrick Swayze, Eddie wrote to Cameron Crowe, the director, right. as a kid. Lunchbox wrote to Troy Aikman. Uh, anybody else write to celebrities? We all in? Okay, so we said, what if we do it as an adult? Well, Lunchbox took it on himself to already do it. Now, <laughs> this is going to be a science experiment. What did you do? Well, I decided that I don't know if people even write anymore. They just email fan clubs or whatever. So I decided to write letters to three superstars as a kid and see if they'll mail me something. What do you mean as a kid? I wrote like I'm a a seven-year-old. Oh, wow. Oh, you wrote the letter. Is that your real handwriting? No, I wrote left-handed. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) I wrote, so I did, I'm right-handed, so I took the opposite hand and I wrote a letter to Carrie Underwood, The Rock, and to Oprah, and I'm going to mail them and see if they'll mail me anything back. How long is the letter? It's just like one page, but it's just big writing. And sloppy. Would you mind reading it to would us? Would you like now? to read? Who would you like me to carry? To oh, you did three different ones. Yeah, I yeah. want to hear Oprah. Carrie, The Rock, and Oprah. Okay, let's do Carrie Underwood oh. first. Okay. Lunchbox has written a letter to Carrie Underwood. And how do you know where to send it? By the way, uh, I figure I'll just send it to the record label. I don't know. Uh. I was just going to send it to the record label and hope they get it to her. I don't know. Where do you send it to The Rock? Uh to his <laughs> studio. studio. He has a studio. <laughs> 
Okay. But, and then Oprah I, Harpo Productions. So you're... Okay. I'm just... T- I don't know. Shot I, in the dark. Shot in, shot in the dark. Okay, this is to Carrie Underwood. Dear Carrie, I a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> and like to hear you sing. I hope to be cool, K-O-O-L, like you, when me older. But that, a seven-year-old wouldn't say all that, <laughs> would they? When me older. <laughs> like I misspell and I don't I don't have proper... <laughs> yeah. My seven-year-old wouldn't. He'd do better than that. Okay, but go ahead. I am Miranda and I seven. Can you send me a picture for my wall, please? I live at, and I give my address, and I put, bye, Miranda. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think it sounds like a four-year-old. It's okay. It's yeah. Fine. yeah. Okay. All right, okay. good. Now, would you like to hear To The Rock? Yes. Mr. The Rock, I a big fan and like <laughs> you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to be cool like you when me older. Tooth Fairy is best movie. My name is Greg. Can you send a picture for the wall? And I give him my address. I am seven years old. Bye, Rock. Signed, Greg. Hmm. It almost sounds like Yoda. Yeah. Like a kid Yoda is writing these letters. Or maybe he's, <laughs> maybe he's from Russia or something, you know? Like, <laughs> like English is not his first language. And finally, to Miss Oprah, my name is Amanda. I like you on the TV. I want to be on TV when I older... <laughs> My birthday will be May 12th. Can you come? <laughs> can That's I cute. can I have a picture for the wall? I am 7. I hope to be cool like you when I get older. Bye Miss Oprah, signed Amanda. And you're going to mail them off today. I'm going to mail them off today and I'm going to give them 1 month. And are you going to write though in adult on the front so it's like your parents address yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, my yeah, my parents will address it obviously. A kid is not going to address the envelope yeah, and put yeah. a stamp on it. Oh, I thought it'd be super impressive and it might make its way to someone opening like, oh, this looks interesting. Well, you, okay, you have a great point. I would say make sure you don't misspell or leave words out though. Right. Like don't do what you did here where you're like, I kid food. Like oh, just so, write yeah. their name, make okay. sure it's all there so you can easily read it. But if it does look like a kid, that's a good point, Amy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, mail them off today. Okay. And, and then we'll, we'll, every week we'll check in and see if you got something back. This is kind of like when he sent the balloon up. We I didn't think anybody That's would true. ever get mm-hmm. the balloon message, and it somebody did, so who knows? We might be meeting Oprah. Oprah shows up, <laughs> and she's like, where is little Timmy? Who is it? Uh, <laughs> Oprah was Amanda. Where's little Amanda? You're looking at her. Yeah, yeah. Lunch, Oprah, Lunch she's Lunch. a hairy 40-year-old man. Lunchbox just raises his hand, I, Amanda. <laughs> All right, we'll check back in a week and see how that's going. Let's go. It's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. Of course, this is the number one spot Brett Eldridge came into the show this week. He helped us celebrate Bobby's birthday. He also talked about his own birthday. He performed his song, Good Day. I mean, just so much happened. And it's always fun listening to Brett Eldridge talk. So listen now. Here is Brett Eldridge. Number one. The Friday Morning Conversation with Brett Eldridge. Brett, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Today's my birthday. You just had your birthday. It's a huge day. Uh, it's a fine day. Yeah, it's a, fine, it's a, it's a big it's day. Good, it's a good day. It's a good day. It's going to be a good day. Yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, what happened on your birthday? Uh, I went hiking. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, I went to, out to dinner with the fam and uh, ate some peanut butter cheesecake, which was really good. Well, I appreciate you coming in here on my birthday. It is a good day. And you, you are doing the good day movement. Yes. What is that exactly? <clears throat> it's basically, you know, paying it forward. You know, lifting somebody's day, 
uh, whether it's buying flowers and giving them to a friend, uh, buying somebody's coffee in line next to you, um, anything just to uh, lift somebody up, some some words of affirmation that somebody needs it. You never know when somebody needs it, and just just uh, giving somebody a good day. And 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 uh, I know what it feels like when somebody has lifted me up when I needed it, and I just think it's uh, it's good to pass that energy along and that love. You sent me a book called Ten Percent Happier. Yes. Just got it. Haven't read it yet. What is that book about? Why was it so important for you to send that out? Um, 10% Happier, it's a, it's, a, it's a book about meditation. It's a meditation for fidgety skeptics is what Dan Harris calls it. But it's just, uh, um, I think meditation has been really huge for me, uh, dealing with this life and itself and anxieties and everything. And uh, I sent it to you, and, and, uh, and I tried to just... just encourage people to meditate because I think a lot of people think it's something weird and something where you sit there and you're supposed to like think you're floating or something or whatever but it's actually just some way to quiet your mind and give yourself some time and peace and quiet walk me through this meditation because I've tried it Mm -hmm. I I struggle with my mind racing all the time Mm -hmm. everywhere it's okay I got this at this time I gotta do this I gotta make Mm -hmm. sure this is all the time and I've tried to meditate because I I struggle with PTSD really bad for a long time it's still a little bit now but I can't fully, I haven't been able to fully sit down and separate myself from what's happening in the world. Was that yep. a struggle for you? What's Big the time. tip for me? Big time. Uh, just give yourself, okay, so like focus on, uh, they always say focus on your breath a lot of the time. So you, you know, you put, you put both feet on the floor. I can't because, oh, now I can. Um, but you put both feet on the floor, just kind of close your eyes and just focus on your breath like in, in for four. Hold it for a second, out for four, and if you focus on that more, and then when you see when you see yourself start to ruminate on things, um, yeah. What do I do? How do I catch myself? Because I'm like, you say I start I'm drifting. You, you call it uh, mental noting, um, which means you're like, that's this. Uh, that's just me thinking. Okay, thinking. And then you go back to the breath, and uh, and it's as simple as that. And and the and the whole practice is you'll be going throughout your day, and you'll notice yourself thinking. And when you catch yourself, that's from the practice of like time myself to catch myself when I'm thinking about breathing and that's where the practice comes along and it gets it gets better and you never get to be a master at it but it's like you can always grow with it it's cool how long do you do this and while you do it are you nude it, always nude <laughs> always nude and uh, I do it every morning you do but every morning no every lie. morning I, just, I did it this morning uh, uh, but uh, every morning I get up a routine is big for me for just kind of putting on your armor for the day kind of so getting up uh doing the routine of meditating doing some stretching and stuff like that and uh so I do it for 10 minutes every morning and then I journal then I go for a hike and then I then I'm ready to go now I've seen you walking down the road before with this backpack on that has water in it yep are your hikes like four days because <laughs> I feel like you could just put a bottle <laughs> of water in your in your little pocket <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time you saw me he's like what are you? yeah I, I I run a long ways this is before I got um, this Garmin wa- running watch that I can have my music on it. So I used to have, like, uh, I would put my phone in the in the pack and also have the water if I wanted to get thirsty on my run in, in the camel pack. So uh, um, I would do that, and I would, I would throw that on there, and I'd run, and I'd just take some sips whenever I need it. But I was running, like, sometimes 8, 10 miles in a, in a run, so it's good to have a little hydration. Didn't it weigh you down though? I would feel like if I'm running, I got to put water on It does, but I kind of got a, a addicted, or not addicted, but I just kind of started to get the feeling of like, you know, when you take something away after you've been used to it for a while, it's like you feel weird. Well, 
like I got used to the feeling of it being heavy and maybe it made me sweat more. I don't know, but I liked it. Brett Eldridge is here. We're talking camelbacks, packs. Uh, meditating. Meditating. This ever, meditating in the nude. Yeah. It, well, that was that was how I pictured you. I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> fully clothed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But, hey, why don't we? We talked about uh, the the Good Day movement. This song, Good Day, is such a good song. Thank you. It's it's on your your last record, um, and that is the the single now that I'm hearing being played everywhere. You mm-hmm. have your guitar. You want to yes. play a little bit for us? I would love to. All right. Here is the new one from Brett Eldridge. Here is Good Everybody Day. Everybody, take a, a deep breath and let's just <laughs> enjoy this. I fall asleep in the middle of it because I'm <laughs> meditating. All right. Here we go. Let's have a good day. Here we go. One, two. Three. Oh. I think I'll start my morning with Sinatra And let those blue eyes speak to me Skip all the things that I don't want to And let my mind wander free it's falling too cold and rainy And something's got me thinking maybe It's gonna be a good day I don't know why, but it feels like Love's coming my way And the sun ain't even shining If the world gonna keep on spinning Let it keep spinning along my way I gotta feel it It's going to be a good day It's going to be a good day A good day Come on, Brett Eldridge. All right. I think, and Amy, you can back me up on this if you would like, Mm -hmm. of anyone that comes and plays in here, I think Brett is pretty much the one that sounds most like the record. Oh, yeah. Like when he sings, you sound like you sing whenever I play you on my phone. Yeah, I kind of close your eyes for a bit. You might be. It's like he's not even here right now. But why would you close your eyes and make him not here? I'm playing it on my phone. No, I'm saying you could close your eyes. (laughs) I'm just playing the track on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) He plucks it. He lip syncs and pulls all all of it. Uh, Millie Vanilli. Brett Eldridge is here. We're going to come back. I have two questions I'm going to ask you when we come back. I'm going to let you know now so you have time to think about it. Okay, let's think about it. One, what's the oddest place you've ever been recognized? Okay, so don't tell me now. Okay. I'm going to ask you that in a second. And then what's the best piece of advice that you've been given by another artist? Those okay. are the two questions I'm going to ask you when we come back. Okay. Brett Eldridge is here. You guys stream Good Day. Tweet your radio stations. Don't call them because nobody, nobody's answering phones for requests anymore. <laughs> but let them know you like that song. The Friday Morning Conversation with Brett Eldridge. Brett, what's the oddest place that you, as a famous country musician, artist, singer, songwriter, what's the weirdest place you've ever been recognized? One time I was recognized in church, and uh, I was sitting in the mi- So I think the night before, Drunk on Your Love went number one. And so I, I celebrated. I don't, I don't really have many, I don't really drink anymore. But at that time, I was celebrating. We were having champagne or something, and, and uh, I did not feel great. But I still went to church, still showed up, and uh, sat in the middle row. And it was the hottest Easter of all time, it felt like. Um, uh, and I was sitting in the middle aisle... And I was like, oh, God, I just got to go out. I got to go. You know, I got to take a break from the service. I got to go. I got to go to step out and have a drink of water. Um, Somebody followed me to the bathroom. And 
I wanted to take a selfie. I'm like just trying not to get sick at church. And somebody's like, I'm like, there's no one around. And someone like comes down the stairs like, no, please, no, please, no. And then they get their photo. They want to take a selfie. It's like, this is the most interesting place I think I've ever done like kind of a meet and greet uh, thing. And I was not feeling great. Did you take the selfie? Yeah. Of course he did. He's in church. He's right out there. Of course he did. He sure did. I was reading a story about you playing maybe Call of Duty with Shay from Dan and Shay. Yes. How often do you guys play? We used to play a, a lot. It was it got to the point where I was playing too much, but I was at, it was especially when at the beginning of quarantine when um you know, you couldn't even leave your you couldn't even leave. Like no one even understood that like you can go outside and run if as long as you're away from people or anything. It was so so we'd be playing hours in a day and, and just have that's how we would socialize and it was amazing how over this game that I'm terrible at, that uh, you could just have. The, I just I just joined it for the camaraderie and the and the conversation and and uh, and so we we would play a lot and and I haven't late, a whole lot lately, but um, we've gone on hikes and stuff like that from it. And and really we weren't that close until we started playing Call of Duty. So it's pretty pretty funny. It's interesting because Amy saw TJ, and we're friends with TJ from Brothers Osborne. Yep. hiking with Casey Musgraves. Mm-hmm. We knew they were friends, I guess, but they were hiking together. And but you mentioned you and Shay. What artists in Nashville would are you would you say literal friends with? Because it's hard. Because artist life, you guys are traveling all We're over. We're all the doing place. the same thing. Yeah, it's hard to kind of be in the same place at all. But I would say Shay. Is there another one that you're close with? Uh, you know, close. It's so interesting. Like close when you see him on the ro- everybody on the road. It's it's so it's so different. Like uh, party John Party and I started out together in town, and. Uh, and uh, he's always been one of the most interesting people I've known. We we toured in Australia together, and we still got to uh, we got to catch up on old times. But you know, it's not like I talk to a lot of other artists all the time. But um, he's one that I've, I've I've just shared a lot of the, the the journey of the ups and downs and all this with. And so it's not like we talk all the time. But um, he's somebody that uh, I still root for, and and uh, he's a good dude. Who came in your class? Meaning when you came to Nashville and you were new. And there are other new people around you. Who do you remember f- kind of going through that early stage together? Uh, I think my like my new faces show was maybe uh, I know Thomas Rhett was in that. Um, so it was like Thomas Rhett. Uh, we did the we co-headlined uh, co-headlined the CMT tour together, Suits and Boots. And uh, so Thomas Rhett, uh, who else was there? Um, Dan and Shea were pretty early early. Uh, God, that's, that's so on the spot, but those are some of the ones I can think of right now. I'm hard-hitting, hard-hitting interview questions. Oh, yes, no. I was thinking of the New Faces show, and I feel like, was Sam Hunt at yours? Or no? But or No, but Sam was around Sam was around that same era. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, Sam was definitely one of them as well. What's Here's the question I teased before we went away. What's a, the best piece of advice that an artist gave you when you were kind of starting out? And they were going, hey, man, here's what's happening. I remember uh, uh, playing the Opry and... Whispering Bill Anderson, who's like country music legend, he he said, just make sure he was standing on the side of the stage. I'm getting ready to do my debut, and I'm so nervous. I'm nervous just thinking about how nervous I was about to go, you know, play the opera. It's a big deal, you know. And he's like, just make sure you you appreciate every moment while you're in it, because you know, because when I was when I was coming up, I was always worried about what the next song is, and and uh, uh, you know. Well, this one didn't do as well as I wanted it to, or this show wasn't as big as it was, but this next one's going to be bigger, or whatever. It's like you got to have that drive, but you got to you got to appreciate the things you got going on while these amazing things are going on because they're going to fly by. And and uh, 
you know, you're not going to appreciate them. And, and, and uh, that was a really good piece of advice. And I don't think it soaked in as much then and as much as it has over the last several years. And I really started to, to slow it down a little bit. We talk about, you know, other artists and getting advice. Is there anyone that you've kind of hit on the shoulder and been like, hey, let me give you a little bit of advice here, kiddo? Oh, I think I think I am uh, I'm getting to the place where right now I feel like I've got so much more wisdom than I had before. So I, I feel like I haven't given that advice that I want to give yet, and I think I'm I'm primed to do that now. So I think uh, uh, I'm getting to a place where I've, I've experienced a lot of things where I'd love to you know help out a, a new artist and and uh, kind of tell them what's worked for me and what hasn't, and because uh, I've kind of been through the whole ride of it and so i think uh I, i've i've learned a lot of things and i'd love to help somebody out that way so i think it's the best wisdom is to come to the best uh, help to, to give to somebody for myself well okay good because the raging idiots we need some advice give it to us how would you what would you tell us about being big stars um just let it get to your head let it get to our head. We like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. the opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Most yeah. people say don't let it. <laughs> yeah, but just let it get to your head. Just go hard. That's what you should do. That's Disregard it. everything. That's it, yeah. I love that. Uh, one final question for you. It's almost 10 years ago that Don't You went number one. Yep. 10 years That's ago. Insane. That's insane. Wow. I did not even, I haven't thought about that. When you listen back to this record, this album, do you still hear the same you? Do you hear a kid you? Like what, 10 years ago? I I hear the same me, but I hear, you know, a kid trying to figure it out. And, you know, I certainly didn't know where I was going fully yet. But the excitement and the fire and the, um, I think uh, there was a, there is a magic about that first album feeling and that, you know, you don't really know what you're doing, but you know you're writing fun songs and you're doing all that. And you kind of go along and figure out more of what you want to say. But I, there is something to say about that that uh, super confident first album feeling of like no one could tell me no. I'm not gonna, I'm not jaded yet, you know, or whatever. You know, you haven't felt the whole weight of of the whole touring life yet exactly, or it's all so new. It's so exciting, and uh, and so I, I, when I hear that, it, it, it kind of excites me, excites me and reminds me to to always have fun with it. You have seven number ones. Which one would you drop? From your set list, if you had to. Oh, um, of all the number ones, maybe. That's so. That's so hard. You're gonna play them all. You're not dropping yeah. it. I'm just saying, if you had to drop one of them, which one would you go? You know what? I, I'm good. I think I might maybe lose my mind. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know my. Um, you know my favorite song. Do you play long? Do you play "Take Me the Long"? You play that in shows? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay. Thank God, I would not. Yeah, that's out. one of my favorite that's ones to play. I'd be yeah. like, "Play, take me the long way around your town." <laughs> yeah, you'd be that one person. Like, Come on, man! Yeah. And then you don't play it in the whole show, and then you the, suck. The, uh, then you hate it. <laughs> Where's John Party? Yeah. <laughs> but I still love. I don't. I want to. I don't want to bash my own song. Lose my mind. But I would. That, I mean, if I had to p- pick one, maybe it's that one. Just because you know, I like the deep. I like the deep songs, I like the long way and and stuff like that. So it doesn't mean I don't like it. it just. Okay, I feel bad now talking about my song. It's your own song. It's your own song. It's a You're great not... song. We just ask hard questions. We're hard hitting here. Wait, yeah. uh, what are what? the other number ones? I just want to hear them. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Sing it back to Mamie. Don't play clips, right? Let's oh, see if Mamie can sing them back. Ooh, baby, little don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, won't you. Did she get that one? Yes. Yeah, she got it. Of course. <laughs> Beat of the music. Oh. Um, 
I need a like a me 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 to the beat of the music uh-huh. <laughs> to the beat. No, I have it. You're not gonna get this. One. I know because now I have I have okay. a long way around this town in my head. Uh, beat of the music. He's at the he's at the water with the swimming pigs. Yep. Right. Well, that's right. true. You're correct. All right, You're play correct. that one. We'll give that one. Sure. Thank you. Love to the beat of the music. There it is. Then she got the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets as long as she got the video, that counts. Okay. Okay. Mean to me. Oh. Oh, shoot, Taylor Swift's in my head. Why you gotta be so <laughs> oh, yeah, mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's like what you mean to me, not that yep. someone's being mean to you. You're right. Yeah. Mean, mean to me. Wait. You give her that one? Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I'll be okay. what you mean. I'll be what you mean to me. I yeah, 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 that. And you even, like, directed it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> lose my mind? Uh, lose my mind. <laughs> I don't know that she. Yes. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, you make all my dreams come true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Good job, good job. How about drunk on your love? Oh, drunk on your love. Now you're just making up. <laughs> no. Um, can I have like a little? All these songs in my head. It's hard. That's why the game's hard. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm about to get drunk <laughs> on, on your love. How about drunk, drunk? Drunk, drunk. No, that's not it. You're tricking me. Ray, would you play it? No, no, no. I woke up. Oh, I'm you're right. Still drunk, drunk. Oh, on your love. You don't get that one. Oh, you're right. I one. don't. I don't know that I. I don't know that I spent a lot of time with that one. Sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm heartbroken. Okay, go, go, go. Wanna be that song? Oh, I wanna be that song. I wanna be. You're the, almost there. I, I wanna yeah, be that was the. A, that was the right start. Yeah, I wanna be the the song. <laughs> the love. I wanna be that song. I wanna be that song <laughs> that makes you laugh. That yep. song makes you happy. Yeah. I'll give her that. I don't know if she gets that one. Yeah, yes, I do. You heard it and then jumped on. No, but I I started off on the right thing. Takes me a second. Love someone. Love someone? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. She's like, I didn't spend any time with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Love someone. I want to love someone. I want to love someone. Wake up in the middle of the night. You holding me so tight. Wait, what, what grade do you give her there, Brett? I give her like to a... love someone. I give her an eight. A what? I give her a B. I give her an eight. I give you a B. An eight? Eight out of ten, not oh. a hundred. Oh, they said A. <laughs> so did I. I was like, We're on hey, different scales. I know. Yeah. Eight out of ten, solid. That's a B. That's a solid B. Brett knows my favorite song, which he never even put to radio. But that's I not his a... fault. Well, <laughs> is it? Not? It was a I slow song. It was not about your song shaming No, it's not the... No, it's put me on a train. Put me on a runway, one-way, sky-high aeroplane. Girl, I really need to change, get away, see the smile on your face. Keep going. Find me a rowboat, make it float. What? I think so. Find me a rowboat, make it float on the moat to the boat. Didn't spend enough time with that Hold on, no, I did. I know every word. If you put it, the whole thing on, I sang it from Nashville to Atlanta. It's called Gotta Get There. Yeah. Are there certain songs of yours on the first record that weren't singles that you don't remember? Uh, there's definitely songs I would not know how to play. Yeah, for sure, and not know all the words. Too. Ten years ago, it's so weird to think about. Well, listen, wow. we love Good Day. Play that Ray as I as I tell our friend Brett Elders goodbye. Yes, day. this is a jam. Thank you.
love this song. I'm gonna just this is a throwaway question. Are you working on working on working on new stuff? Yes, I was I, a lot right now. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. I'm heavy into it. You are heavy into it right now. Big time. Sometimes people get insulted when I ask that question when we're talking about something else. No, no. I I, I think you always got to be you got to be striving for the next thing and but appreciate this like I said, but also always have something to to grow from and this record really kind of set a palette for where I can go from, you know, so. Like Whisper and Bill said, always think the next thing to be bigger and always obsess about it. <laughs> That's right. right? Always <laughs> obsess about everything ahead. Do not enjoy the moment. All right. Just kidding. Oh, Everybody breathe. Go ahead. And enjoy the moment. So you said earlier you wake up every morning and you write, but mm-hmm. like you meant like you just journal things. You're not like Yeah, I journal in the morning. So for 10 minutes? Yeah, I'm just long? like, uh, just however long. Some days I might just write like a, like, three sentences some oh. days i might write like a couple pages but it's like so this is the third time ta- third day in a row that i've heard somebody talking about writing first thing in the morning even for if you're a creative too how it can like unlock stuff in your brain doesn't even matter what you write like you can wake up and write maybe three pages and maybe that's daunting but you could literally like i don't even know what i'm writing right now the sky is blue oh what am i gonna have coffee this is what i'm gonna wear today set your intention write your intention is the big one well yes and then of course like, you i'm gonna, get I'm gonna roll up into bobby bones i'm gonna see everybody i'm everybody's smiling everybody's gonna feel good is that you what know, you wrote this morning that kind of thing yeah oh nice i don't know just something to put out there for people that maybe are feeling a little stuck. yeah like i mean honestly and i've talked about this like interviews make me nervous sometimes and people never know that um, at one point I had like a panic attack in an interview and it made my mind think that I would have, I, I, I totally fine talking about this. So I, I was in Scotland and I had a panic attack on stage cause I was like jet lagged and I had a bunch of coffee and it just whatever, for whatever reason. So it made my mind think that I'm going to freak out every time, even if I'm not like going in ahead of it, think, I mean, I've, I've never had a problem with interviews. Well, so then I started doing a lot of things to deal with that. So writing your intentions out, like, okay, I'm going to roll up. I'm going to feel confident. I'm going to do this. And doing that kind of stuff, like intentions for a day, it could be for anything other than that. I'm just using it for an example for how I used it today. Yeah, so I love that. Running your intentions are like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Amy's I'm going to, I'm going to compliment a stranger today. I'm going to compliment Amy on her, her amazing singing of, of nice. my, of my songs. Thank you. To give her eight out of 10. <laughs> yeah. So, so I didn't say that cause I wouldn't know in the future, but you guys wake up and you journal. Yeah. Get your juices flowing. I like that. No, I mean, I'm I'm in the beginning of thinking about doing oh, that yeah. because I'll, I do that with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'll I'll tell you about a book you probably need to get when we get off. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. OK, there. Hey, there he is. Brett Eldridge. There he is. Thank yeah. you, Brett Eldridge. You guys check out a good day. Thank, Thank you. you. It's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan. Number two. All right, y'all, that's a wrap for this week's show. I hope you had fun hanging out with me and Eddie and just talking about life. We had a really fun moments getting to know each other. I got to know Eddie more as a parent, which was pretty cool. Make sure you follow the show on all the things at Bobby Bone Show, and you can relive some of these segments on our website at Bobby Bone Show with videos and commentary and all the other things. There's Plus, there's so much more that I don't even talk about. So go up there and look. And you can follow me at WebGirlMorgan on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all the things. I do some weird stuff. Mostly just post pictures of my dog and some TikTok videos. That's about it. So, bye. Nice. <laughs> Come on. Bobby Bones, yeah.